Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people, loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. So, we have been following the life of Peter uh, the last four weeks, and uh, if you would like to join in today, which I kind of hope you would since you're kind of here, um, and you can open up to Acts chapter 3, and uh, we have been learning about the life and leadership and the Lord through the life of Peter, Simon Peter, through several of his stories, starting with the fact that he was a fisherman, uh, an uneducated fisherman, an unschooled fisherman. He was kind of part of the B team. Uh, he, he didn't get, he was the last picked, quite frankly, uh, in, in terms of society. And he followed the footsteps of his father. He was a partner with James and John and his own brother, Andrew. And uh, Jesus, he met Jesus on the shore. And we talked about that moment where he started to follow Jesus for the first time, where he was a fisher of fish. Now he became a fisher of people. And then a week later, we met Jesus, Jesus and Peter on the water, where Peter took a step out of the boat and began to do what Jesus did, and he began to walk on water. But yet, as you and I know, Peter is pretty much like you and me. He's an ordinary guy, and Peter did extraordinary things. But sometimes Peter needed help out of some messes that either he got into or he created himself. And last week we listened and we learned from Matthew and how Peter kind of got a lot of the, the what is is in life and the what is is of Christ clouded by all the what ifs. Man, he's more and more like you and me than I think we give him credit for. But he is this ordinary individual that does extraordinary things and has extraordinary insights. And those are only three of the stories. We're going to step into a a fourth story today, but see, what well, we need to understand that there's more to the story of Peter. And quite frankly, there's more to the story of you. In this moment, you, your story is being written. You might be adding a sentence to that chapter, to that section, that volume of the narrative of your life. But some of us in this room and some of you listening online, you have a deep sense that the chapter on regrets and mistakes will never come to a close. Some of us here are still riding the same shame and guilt. But it's honestly in different places with different people and different scenarios. Still some of us, quite frankly, are, are the 
protagonist or the antagonist in our very story, our very own story. We're the antagonist that is preventing ourselves. We're the ones that are holding us back. We're playing our own villain. Still some of us who are writing our story actually don't even believe that we can write our own story. And probably the most tragic thing is that some of us sitting here, some of us listening today, don't believe that our story can change. That the themes and the narratives, they will continue to repeat in our life. And that there is no change whatsoever. But I want to tell you today, that if you and I get connected to our Creator God, the author of life, we will come to realize that guilt and shame were never to be a part of our story. We will recognize that sin, mistakes, regrets, all those can be forgiven. We can recognize that we can actually write a new narrative into our life, a new story. And I'm looking into many of the faces that are connected to our Creator God who have started a new story in their life because of Jesus Christ. And that transformation is always possible. Change can happen. But I'd rather use the term transformation. Because our world, as we have seen, they're making changes for change's sake with some respect. Rather than allowing transformation to run deep into our DNA deep into the DNA of the individual. So today, I'd like us to step into a story. Context here, Jesus Christ has already been crucified, buried, resurrected on the third day. He's already been hanging out with his disciples for 40 days. And he ascended to the right hand of the Father. He was astronaut Jesus. The disciples and many others went to the upper room and they prayed. We have Acts chapter 2 where Pentecost occurred. The Holy Spirit came down. And then there's this new life. The birth of the church. And then we hit chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And so would you join with me through your scripture, through your Bible, through your phone, your iPad, whatever you're going to follow along with me. Acts chapter 3, verse 1, and we're going to read to 16. One day, Peter and John, there's Peter. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth. I just want to pause there and kind of... In Acts chapter 4, we learned that this man was over 40 years old. So for at least 40 years... This man has been crippled. Now, a man crippled from birth. 
was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. Instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, Honestly, I'd be holding on too if that was the first time I ever started to walk in my life. All the people were astonished and came running to, to them in the palace of Solomon's colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate. Then he had decided to let him go, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is, in, it is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him. As you all can see, Heavenly Father, we ask that the scriptures unpack us rather than us unpacking the Scripture. Lord, may we remove all presuppositions, all, all those things that we put on the Scripture and allow the living Word of God to do its work. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak. I know you will. Quite frankly, I guess I should ask that we listen to you. We hear what you have to say. And Lord, we wrestle with it and we act upon it. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ today. Amen. Peter and John, they're doing what they would do. They're going to the temple. Though the birth of the church occurred, they still continue to go to the temple. And they continue to worship God and they continue to pray. And on the way to temple, they meet this man. A man that has been crippled from birth for over 40 years. Now, I was thinking about this man, and I was thinking about how the fact that he was carried and he was strategically placed at this gate called Beautiful. For us who don't know much about the temple, this place was kind of the main entrance. This is where everybody would go into. 
So he was strategically placed so that he can get as much out of the people as possible. And this has been going on for years. John chapter 9, Jesus and his disciples were walking along, and they met a man who had been blind since birth, and they asked, Jesus, who sinned? The mother, the parents, or the father, or, or the son? The parents or the son? Because there was this predominant belief in Jewish society that if somebody had a physical condition, whether they were blind or whether they'd been crippled from birth, that it was either the parents that had sinned that caused the issue, or that this person who had that condition sinned. We learn from that story in John chapter 9 that that predominant belief was not correct. Neither the parents nor the son. And so this is playing into this story. Because society in this moment, the people that are walking into the temple going to connect with God, they're still under the same predominant belief. Somebody sinned that caused this man's condition, and this man's condition will never, ever change. He gets what he deserves. And even the religious elite, the priests, the pastors of the day, they believe that same thing. This man, this is his lot, and this is what will happen for the rest of his life. And so he has been picked up and carried and strategically placed here every day so that his stomach could get filled. And those that continue to give this man coins and change perpetuate the system and the false belief of the system. But see, this day is a little bit different. This day, he was carried and he was put down and two men Peter and John, who hung out with Jesus, who followed Jesus, John being the one that actually physically saw Jesus crucified on the cross and die, they were walking the temple. And if you notice, if you notice in the story, I'd like for you to see, I'd like for you to notice one thing. Watch the eyes in this text. The eyes of not only Peter and John, but watch the eyes of this man, this crippled beggar. It said, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him. Then Peter said, look at us. I want to pause there for a second. Notice the eyes of a man. He sees Peter and John coming and about to enter. And he asks them for money. But notice his eyes went from seeing Peter and John to not seeing Peter and John. There's a guilt and a shame in this man. There's a guilt and a shame because this is his lot. And he believes what everybody else believes. This will never change. Wow. All right, good deal. 
Good deal. I like that. We're training him up, right, in the way that he should go. The cooker. And so his head is down. As soon as he sees Peter and John, there's his opportunity, and he asks for money, and his head is down. That is why Peter says, look at us. Give us your attention. Behold us with your eyes. Don't look down. Look at us. But see, this man, he looked at Peter and John. He gave them his attention. But his expectation of Peter and John is the same expectation that he had of every other individual walking into that temple. A little money. A little coinage. It's a great place to guilt people into giving, isn't it? We don't ever want this place to be that type of place. And so he perpetuates the system as well. He feels guilt and shame, and he puts guilt and shame on other people as they enter into the temple. He expects Peter and John to do the same thing that has been happening for years. Give me just enough. Just enough to get by. Just enough to exist. Honestly, I feel like some of us, and even myself sometimes, I only expect out of myself just enough to get by. If you're a leader, and you expect just enough from the people that you lead, what will you get? Just enough. If you try to lead yourself and you expect just enough for you to get by, then what will you give? Just enough. Same with your kids. If you expect just enough with your kids, that's what you're going to get. Just enough. How much enough is enough in our life? Are you expecting just enough for yourself? Are you expecting just enough from God? Because honestly, I think sometimes we do the same with Him. God, just give me enough to get by. Just just, just a little bit. I, I need just a little bit to get through the day. But see, the Scripture, Scriptures tell us, that God is the God of immeasurably more who can give more than we can ever think or imagine. If God desires to give you more than you're willing to ask for, then why not ask? Let me say that again. If God is more than willing to give you more than you're going to ask for, then why not ask? He has an unlimited supply of grace, of wisdom, of peace, of love, of mercy, of forgiveness. It's untapped. It's unlimited. 
This man has been just getting by. And people have been allowing him to get by. And he's been allowing himself to get by. But Peter steps into this scenario with John. There's more to be had. Peter says, one more. Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. I think sometimes we often limit ourselves by what we don't have. We feel like we can't step into things or do things because we lack either the education, the knowledge base, the resource, the finances, whatever it may be, we just lack it. We don't have it. Peter recognizes that he doesn't have it. He doesn't have what the man wants. However, Peter, recognizing what he doesn't have, isn't limited by what he doesn't have. Did you catch that? Peter recognizes what he doesn't have, but isn't limited by what he doesn't have. We often feel like we cannot do this or that because we don't have this or that. We don't have what they need. And so we don't even do anything. There's a vulnerability with Peter here. See, vulnerability is the bridge to grace, peace, love. It's the gateway. It's the open door to joy. It's the open door to freedom. It's the open door to grace. It's the open door to Christ. Vulnerability is that bridge. And Peter becomes very vulnerable in this moment. What if I'm curious. I played this in my mind. What if Peter, what if he actually gave the man what the man wanted? Peter would have just continued to perpetuate the system. Peter would have been an accomplice to guilt and shame. Peter would have enabled him to continue doing the same day in and day out. But what did Peter do? Peter reached out his hand. There was no change in his hand. Because change in his hand would change nothing for this man. But he said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by his right hand, he began to stand up. You in this room, those of you listening online, you you may not even believe in the Lord. Many of you are followers of Christ. But all of us have hands. Can I see your jazz hands, boys and girls? Jazz hands. Give me some jazz hands. Be crazy hands. Give me some candy. All right. <laughs> my best Adam Sandler. That's all I got. I'm crazy. Pick a mustache, man. Give me some candy. So anyhow, <laughs> your hands. All of us have hands, whether you're a believer or a follower. 
Your hands are to be the hands that pull people up. Not push them down and hold them down. Your hands are to be the hands that pull people up. Lift them out. Raise them up. Equip them. Move them. Not push them down. Peter reached out his hand. Had his hand be full of coins, he wouldn't have been able to grab the other man's hand. But notice the other man's hand. What was the other man's hand? It was empty. Just like Peter, the man was vulnerable. He heard the words, silver or gold I do not have, but yet he reached out his hand. Folks, for us, if we're like the crippled man, who'd been in the same situation day in and day out, who'd been carried to the same place, who'd been left there till the end of the day, then picked up and carried back home. If that was us, in order for anything to change, we have to be vulnerable. We have to. As I said before, vulnerability is the gateway. It's the open door. It allows love and grace and peace and joy to happen in your life. It allows healing to occur when you are vulnerable. This man was vulnerable in the moment. Both people were vulnerable in the moment. i got to ask you, many of you have been coming to a church service for 40 50 years and you have yet to allow yourself to be vulnerable not with other people that's not what I'm saying but with the Lord God with the author of life and so the man grabs his hand and he gets up and what does he start to do immediately what Good job. You guys are raising this one right. I was been like, what? <laughs> I don't know. Pretty much what I did when I was a kid in church. I don't know. Instantly, this man's feet and ankles became strong. In that moment of vulnerability, things began to change. And what Peter didn't have, he wasn't limited by. He gave what he had. He gave himself. He gave himself in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And something occurred. Heaven and earth collided in that moment, and this man began to walk. And he immediately, immediately, yeah, you mind? Thanks. Because it's not working. There we go. He immediately went into the temple courts. He went into the place where people were praising God, where they were trying to connect with God who actually were no closer to God than he was outside the temple. And he came in jumping, moving around, and praising. He interrupted the silence, the solemnness. He interrupted the ritual. This is what we do all the time. He interrupted it completely and said, man, I'm praising God. And I began to think, When's the last time this man was in the temple courts? Probably the last time he was in the temple courts 
was when he was 40 days old. And he was dedicated by his parents. He had to be actually carried in by his mother or his father. And he'd been carried his whole life. And now, for the first time, he goes into a place that he has not been able to go to because he'd been unwelcomed because of his condition. I don't know about you, but I've heard story after story after story of people who have walked in, who've graced a church by their presence. And they were unwelcomed by the church because of their condition. Whatever that may have been. But the fact is, the church is to be a group of people that embraces, that loves and cares, regardless of the condition, so that the condition of the heart can change and transform. The story can be rewritten in their life. They can connect with the author of life. And Peter, this is the first glimpse of humility in the life of Peter in his entire story because Peter often put his foot in his mouth and often his lower torso. He says, why does it surprise you? It is because the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Peter puts himself in the background. He brings what he has and he allows God to use him as an instrument and then steps back and allows God to do what he's going to do and gives God all the credit for it. It is the author of life that has made this man whole again. Folks, don't be limited by what you don't have. There's no need to be limited by what you don't have. Don't fall into that rut and that lie. Y'all have something. Y'all have skill. Y'all have talent. And honestly, you do have hands. Or at least, if you don't have hands, you have your presence. That can do more in someone's life and world than anything else. In the name of Christ. In the hands of the author of life. That can change somebody else's story. So, we're going to wrap up here. Peter says, why does this surprise you? I've been talking with Matthew over the course of the last, I don't know, I think since March. He's involved in all these think tanks. I think I'm just not smart enough to be in think tanks. Uh, And he just begins to peel back layers of these Christian think tanks. And all the arguments for and against and this and that and the other. But what I'm noticing is he's kind of telling me these stories is that there are believers in Jesus Christ who are leading churches, who are part of leading churches that don't believe God can still do miracles. I want to tell you 
that God is still a God of miracles. That God is the God and the author of life. And He's still raising people from the dead all the time. He's still redeeming people, even the hardest of hearts. And He's transforming lives and households and communities. God is still a God that can do the miraculous. And I firmly believe that. And if you, a follower of Christ, if you have that moniker of Christian, if we, as a church, don't believe that God is still the God of miracles, that can still do the things that just bend your mind and bend natural law, then this, what we do on Sunday, is just a mere gathering because of hollow beliefs. And I don't agree with that, and I don't believe that. God is still the God of miracles, and He's still transforming, and He's still doing things beyond our imagination, beyond what we can think, beyond what we can imagine, beyond our creativity, beyond your ability, beyond my ability. You may think you're limited by what you don't have. God is never limited by what you don't have. Ever. So, you might believe yourself to be like the beggar at the temple gates. Not living life, just merely existing. Being dependent and not connected. Waiting for that something that never comes. You might be like that beggar and like that society that says your story can never change. I want to tell you, in the hands of the author of life, your story can change. It can be rewritten. It can be transformed. It could be healed. Notice it says at the very last line, complete healing. Do you need complete healing? Can you please stand? Just bow your heads just for a second, just for a moment. And let's just go to the Lord in prayer briefly. Heavenly Father, in this moment of pause, I bring myself and I bring our people before you. Lord, you are still the author of life. Even when it looks like there's a lot of this death and destruction, dissonance and disconnection, you are still the author of life that you can bring things together and people together that wouldn't normally be together. All under the cross and all under the blood of Christ. And this morning, I don't know where everybody is, but those of us that are in here, that are listening, that struggle with the idea that our story can change, our story can be transformed, 
that shame and guilt can actually be removed. That there can be complete healing on the inside, which transforms those things on the outside. Father, I ask that you speak into all of our hearts right now. If that's you in this moment, whether you're you're five years old or you're 95 years old, and you feel like your life story needs a new chapter to change the trajectory of it all. And you've been stuck. And you've been riding the same themes of shame and guilt and mistakes and regrets and you've not been able to cast those off. If that's you and you want the author of life to write a new story in your life, for the first time, if that's you, I'm going to ask that you just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Thank you. For those of you that rose, rose your hand, raised your hand, I'm just going to ask that you, you pray a very simple prayer. This isn't the end of the conversation. This is just the beginning of the conversation. But with all sincerity, will you just pray along with me? Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. My life is yours. I've tried to do it all in my own way. And I'm still this way. I'm still here. I'm still stuck. Jesus, I give you my life. be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you rose your hand and you prayed that prayer, I want to know before we leave today. I'd like to talk with you. I'd like to talk with you. Now we, we have this awkward moment of transition. Um, so I, I'd like to ask my wife to come forward, and you may be seated, because here we are. You are getting slimed, I think. We don't know. I think we should, regardless. How about that? All right, let's do it. So first person up. And when I call your name, you need to bring somebody up so they can. Ava, where are you at? Come on up. Call somebody up. Bring somebody with you so they can get you under the. Oh, all right. Ava's coming on up. Crank that up there, Grandpa. All right. Those feet smell. All right. Are you ready for this? I think these are real cold. It's going to be cold. All right. Well, welcome. Welcome back, Ava. <laughs> You're wishing, man, I should have just stayed in bed. All right. Can we get a countdown? Five, four, three, two, one, hit. Woo! Ah. Oh. All 
next one up. Amanda? Nope. Sarah? She's not here today. Taryn, T, where you at? Woohoo! If anything, I'll take consolation that T Mamie's going under the, the water balloon. How about that? Come on up, Demaya. You ready? You love doing this, don't you? Hold on. Oh, not yet. Five, four, three, two, one. Hit it. Woo! Last one. Brendan, come on up, dude. Ha. Get all your electronics out of your phone or out of your pockets. Are you getting your mother to do this? Come on down. You want to take your shoes off, dude? We need to get some of our seasoned vets up here under the dunker. Eugene. (laughs) He'd love it. All right. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Are you ready? All right. Five, four, three, two, one. Ready, Matthew? Oh boy. All right, you ready? Metamucil t-shirt on. It's all good. All right. You ready? Whoa! Wait, this is the boys' total today? Are you kidding me? Well, don't do quick math. Oh! Oh! All right. I need a drum roll. Are you ready? what they didn't have they gave and man look what happened 
My wife gets slimed. Mm. Yes! So, I'm pushing the button. I don't know what you're talking about. So this morning, I read from the Psalms. I trust in the Lord, and Lord, I trust in you. May I triumph over my enemies? And I did! Woo! <laughs> All right, boys, I need a count from you guys. All right, you ready? Oh, this is sweet. Five, four, three, two, one. I'm letting the suffering last. There's some right there. <laughs> I love you, babe. I do get to clean up. Would you like this? Okay. Well, as she sits there and stews, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I want to be a gracious winner. I'm really grateful. I'm really grateful. Hey, so would you please stand? Man, folks. I just want to let you to know we love you. We love you very, very much. And we pray over you every week. And many of you, we're praying over you each day. We love you. We thank you. We appreciate you. Will you please love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, your whole self. And will you love your neighbor as yourself. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you next week right here at 11 a.m. All right, have a wonderful day. Oh, wait, snow cones are outside. Snow cones are out. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.